1: always seem to challenge us. Well, I can tell you why. Because He wants to drag you deeper into Him. He wants to pull you ever closer. He wants to pull you into His love and show you all the love that He has for you. He wants to do a mighty work in your life. And He wants you to be one of His. And not only just a believer, but a disciple. In fact, when Jesus sent the disciples out in Matthew 28, He didn't tell them to go out and get people saved. He said, go and make disciples.
0: Jesus has so much more for you than you could ever imagine. As you listen to today's message with Pastor Dave, you'll learn that Jesus challenges you in order to pull you closer to Him. He doesn't just want you to be a believer. He wants you to be a disciple, a person of faith who seeks to know Him deeper. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 8, as he begins his message, The True Disciples. You
1: are a show. Turn to John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. We're looking at specifically verses 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And let me start off by asking you a question. How well do you know Jesus? How well do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus well enough to call yourself a disciple? And if not, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? These are questions we hope to answer today as we study these scriptures. Because I believe that a disciple is more than a believer. Let me repeat that. A disciple is more than just a believer. I've always contended, and I've said even from this podium before, that all disciples are believers. But not all believers are disciples. Many of us grew up in a church of some sort. It was a church setting, and we grew up thinking we know Jesus. We heard the stories of how he walked on the water, how he changed the water to wine, and how he even rose from the dead. And some people think Jesus is a good man who gave us a lot of good advice on how to live our lives. Others think Jesus is just the love guy. You know, love your neighbors, love yourself, that sort of thing. As it turns out, the more you really know Jesus, the more you realize that you really don't know Him. Let me repeat that. The more you know Jesus, the more you realize that you really don't know Him. The more you learn about Him, the more you understand about Him, it's not enough to acknowledge Him as the baby in the manger. It's not enough to acknowledge him as a great historical figure, although these two facts are true. He was born in a manger. He is a true historical figure. So in this chapter, in chapter 8 now, it's almost like Jesus is probing these people who believed in him. He's questioning them. He's questioning their very belief. But he's doing this for a reason. He wants to help them realize that they don't really believe in the one who was sent. In other words, their faith is weak and is based upon their opinions about Him and not the Word of God, even though they believed on the words that He said. And in this last section of chapter 8, Jesus now digs under the surface of people's hearts. As He loves to do, He exposes their hearts. He exposes their beliefs. He exposes their opinions in order to reveal to them the truth. He wants to show people that they really don't know him, and at the same time, he wants to reveal the truth about him. This is what I really like about Jesus, is he doesn't want anybody to be fooled, thinking they belong to him when they really don't. See, the Lord doesn't want anybody have to hear those heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching words, depart from me, I never knew you. Nobody wants to hear those words. But in this section today, Jesus now says, I'm going to give you three keys to discipleship. Because Jesus wants disciples. Jesus wants disciples. A couple of weeks ago, we finished in verse 30. And then you read it, it says, as he spoke, this is Jesus, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Notice they believed in him because of the words he spoke. This is a good one. This is a good way to to believe in Jesus because of the words that you read. But notice now when we begin today's message, if you look at 31a, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. So he's talking directly to them. Now he's talking directly to the ones who believed in him. He's talking to them. He's looking at them. Now he's going to challenge them. He's going to challenge them with a few things. Now, I get a lot of mail every week and emails and Facebook pages on telling me how to grow my church. You know, and I can tell you that the most of the time, one of the things they don't want you to do is ruffle feathers in the church. They want you to stick to the good stuff. Well, I'm sorry, folks. I have a job to do. (laughs) You know, we're not going to stick to the good stuff. If you've come in here and want your ears flowered and tickled, you'll be at the wrong place, I'll tell you right now. Jesus is challenging them. Why does Jesus challenge us? Why does Jesus always seem to challenge us? Well, I can tell you why. Because he wants to drag you deeper into him. He wants to pull you ever closer. He wants to pull you into his love and show you all the love that he has for you. He wants to do a mighty work in your life. And he wants you to be one of his. And not only just a believer, but a disciple. In fact, when Jesus sent the disciples out in Matthew 28, he didn't tell them to go out and get people saved, He said, go and make disciples, followers of Jesus, true pupils, true learners. Why? Jesus doesn't want acquaintances. It's like most of you, most of us. Most of us have those friends who are just deep and dear to our heart, and we just love them. And then there are those acquaintances, people we know. Jesus doesn't want to just know you. He wants you to be his disciple. He wants you to come close, come deep, dig deep in your heart and come to him. And he says in verse 31 that being a disciple starts with abiding. Look at 31b. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, Jesus says. Why? He said, Well, the Greek word for abide is meno, it means to dwell to remain, to endure, and to be present. Let me ask you a question. When you hear the words of the gospel, when you hear the word of truth spoken to you, does it just bounce off your head and not take root in your heart? If that be the case, you're not his disciple. You are not his disciple. But if the word dwells in you richly, if the word is not choked out by the world, if the word is not bitten and eaten up by the birds of the air, but if the word finds good ground in your heart and blossom and brings forth fruit, if you're abiding in that word, then Jesus says, you're my disciple. This is true discipleship, abiding in his word, it says. Not one of those, well, we like you now, but what have you done for me lately? You know, we kind of like you, but we won't be around long. The word for disciple is methetes, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S, meaning pupil, student, or learner. See, up until now, Jesus is using the shotgun approach. He's shooting a wide spectrum here, trying to draw in people. But now his comments have become extremely specific. He's starting to make specific comments, and they're aimed at those who truly want to follow him. As I said, there's a difference between those that truly want to follow him and be his disciples and those who are believers. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. These people that he's talking to wanted to believe in him on their own terms. They wanted to believe in him on their own terms. And they heard the words he spoke, and they heard the claims he made about being God's son, and they thought they would believe in him. And so his message is simply, abide in my word and you'll be my disciples. Why? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the first key of discipleship is abiding in God's word. Abiding in God's word. It means to be obedient to his word or to make a lifetime of commitment to God's word. Are you obedient to God's word? After all, discipleship is not a one-time shot. Discipleship is lifelong. Discipleship should start with salvation, and then as you become a disciple, you'll always be a disciple. You'll continue to grow as a disciple. You don't start to become a disciple and go, oh, you know, I've had enough for a while. I think I'll take a break. No, 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 no. There's no break from discipleship. There's no break. Sometimes we wish there might be a break, but there's no break. We must never stop growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We must never stop growing in him. The day I stop growing, I pray, Lord, take me home. I want to always grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I always want to see him in my life. I always want to see him anywhere I go. I always want to be able to proclaim the truth and to show his love no matter where I go. That's what he's called me to do. He's called me there. It's not the guy who raises his hand during a service and then never comes back. Never comes back. Or he loses interest because now Jesus is not meeting his personal needs. That's not the guy we're talking about. A true disciple abides in God's word. And let me take it aside here. This is why Calvary Chapel puts such a high emphasis on teaching the word of God. We do this because we know that abiding in his word will be his disciples, will be one of his, because that's what it clearly says. It's a distinctive of Calvary Chapel. When Paul was writing to his beloved Timothy in 1 Timothy verse 13. He says, till I come, give attention to reading and exhortation to doctrine. Reading what? Exhorting them to do what? Doctrine. God's word. Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It was the word of God. They continued in the word of God. In chapter 8 of Nehemiah, this beautiful, beautiful chapter, you have a beautiful picture here of what it looks like. A beautiful picture of what we do today here at Calvary Chapel. You remember chapter 8, Nehemiah had received the order from Artaxerxes to go back and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Every family that came with him from the captivity, 70 years, they were given a section of the wall to build. And they all started building the wall together. And they had continued to do that. But every morning, Nehemiah and the leadership would pull all the people together. They would get them all together in front. They would take a platform and put it there. And Ezra the scribe would step on the platform and he would do this. Listen to what it says in verse 8 of chapter 8. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. They gave sense and helped them to understand the reading. Ezra, standing on a platform. Ezra, standing on a platform expounding on the Word of God, reading the Word of God, and then later on in that chapter it says the Levites went through the crowd and they explained to the people what was being taught. It's expositional teaching. It's what we do at Calvary Chapel. We expositionally go to the Bible and we look at things, and then we try to help you to apply what's being taught to your lives. It's so important. It's so important that we do this. All of us have some sort of discipline in our lives. Whether you know it or not or whether you like it or not, everyone has some sort of discipline in your life, and it has to do with what you do, let's say, in the morning. The morning you get up when the alarm goes off or before the alarm goes off, you have a routine that you go through. You might go out and make your coffee. You might go out and get the paper. You might take a shower before you go to work. I don't know, but you have a routine. I know you do because I did it for years and years and years. I had a routine that I did in the morning. What we're trying to say is, Somewhere in there, in your system of managing time, we need to put the Word of God in there. You should be reading the Word of God every day. Now, it doesn't have to be in the morning. For me, it works a little better in the morning because I get too busy and I forget later on in the day. It can be any time you want it to be. But it should be part of your routine. When I worked at Wildwood High School... My lunch hour was my time to read the Word of God. And I had 35 minutes of peace. Shut the door, lock it, pull down the shade so none of the kids could see me in there. And I would sit there and read and eat my lunch and study the Word of God. It was my time, mine, and the Lord. It was wonderful. So I got that. So it wasn't early in the morning. I'd like to do it early in the morning, but it doesn't always work out that way. So you need to have something. Each person needs a time of studying the Word of God. Why? If you don't have a steady diet of the Scriptures... I can guarantee your life is like a roller coaster. Click, 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 click. <laughs> click, Up and down, up and down. If you don't have a steady diet of the Word of God, you're like you're on a roller coaster and your life is going up and down, up and down. I'm talking about life in a spiritual perspective. In a spiritual perspective. I'm talking about life in a spiritual. The problem some of us have is we go to church on Sunday, we get fed, then we starve ourselves all week. We absolutely starve ourselves all week. Now, if you did that with physical food, some of you would be dead or you would be bloated because of the starvation. We need to have a consistent time in the word. And this is what Jesus is saying. That's what abiding in the word is. Jesus is telling his followers that they need to be true disciples. And discipleship begins with faith and faith which is strengthened by your time in the word and then our obedience to it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Why? Because as you spend your time in the word, you will grow in the grace and knowledge of God. As you spend time in your word, you will know who he is better. You will know what he expects of you better. You will know how to conduct yourself better. You'll know those requirements that he is placing on you as we read and read and read and read. Now, can anything be easier than developing a habit of spending time with God? And you're probably thinking, well, no, nothing's that easier at all. Okay, let me tell you about my adventures in the morning. I get up, go out, get my coffee, sit down, turn my light on, and want to read my Word. And it's at that time that this four-legged thing comes out and jumps in my lap. You're going to have distractions. There's going to have distractions, phone rings, something happens. You mistakenly turn on the TV, and all of a sudden you get drawn into what's on TV. Things happen. It's difficult. Paul said, I discipline my body. We must discipline ourselves. We must discipline ourselves as you do it. That's why we have these um, read through the Bible in one year. Now, what we can't do, what we cannot do is make it legalistic. Oh, I missed a day. I'm going to hell. No, don't work that way. No. Don't put yourself under that bondage because guaranteed you're going to miss a day. Guaranteed. So don't put yourself under that. Just read on the next day. You know where you left off your read. And if you miss several days, you're going to feel it. I was a runner for a long, long time. And I enjoyed running. And man, I tell you, I would get into the zone and I would be running. And when I missed the day of running, it would tear me up. I would be... Crazy, because I wanted to run. I'm sure you understand that. Those of you who do exercise all the time and and are involved in that. You miss a day, it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, and it really, so that's what reading the Word should be. When you miss a day of reading the Word, you should feel left out. Oh, man, I missed something. This is a love letter from God. It's a love letter that God has given you and wants to expound this knowledge to you. And when we don't constantly read it, if you had a spouse or someone who was away in the Army and they wrote you a letter every day, you would love to read that letter, wouldn't you? You would love to read and see what it says. Well, here you have these beautiful pages that God has written to you that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about. So we need to be ever consistent in reading the Word of God because there's a fringe benefit. There's a fringe benefit. It's called spiritual freedom. It's called spiritual freedom. And this is the type of freedom that Jesus is talking about. When we read verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's a spiritual freedom. A true disciple knows Christ's truth. A true disciple, because you know Christ's truth, you are freed from sin. You're freed from the bondage because you know this truth. So this is the second key to being a disciple. The first one was abiding in his word. The second one is knowing Christ's truth. Here we have Jesus is talking to his disciples. And it includes all those that put their faith of him back in verse 30. All those that are still hanging around, his regular followers. And he's telling them that they can experience freedom. They can experience freedom from the bondage of sin if they abide in his word. The word free here sparks off another controversy. Just what Jesus needs, right? Another controversy. When they say free, it sparks off another controversy. Look at 33. They answered him we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now, reading this, you run into a small controversy. There seems to be a bit of confusion about to whom Jesus is speaking. Is he speaking to the ones that he just talked about, the ones that in him in verse 30? They think not. Most scholars believe that the Scribes and Pharisees have weaseled their way in, and they're the ones that are saying this. They're the ones that are saying, hey, we've never been a slave to anybody. What do you mean the truth will make you free? See, they don't understand what he said, but they respond by saying, we've never been in bondage to anyone. This is one amazing statement if you know the history of Israel. This is an amazing statement. We've never been in bondage to everybody. Hmm. Did you forget the 400 years in Egypt? Hmm. Did you forget that? that little small thing where you were slaves to Egypt? Why did they say that? The Jews were all about being free. In fact, you'll find that they were very stubborn and independent people. In fact, Stephen, when he, right before he was stoned, called them stiff-necked. I love that. But ever since God rescued them from Egypt, they rebelled and they complained. God wanted to chart their destiny into heaven, but they rebelled against anybody who would rule over them, including God. So... He didn't free them so they could be on their own. He freed them so that they could be His people. Remember the verse? They will be my people. I will be their God. He freed them for that. He freed them to have relationship with them. Christ didn't free you from the bondage of sin so that you could go off and do whatever you wanted. He freed you from the bondage of sin so that He could fellowship with you. You can fellowship with God the Father. That's what we were created, for him's pleasure, to fellowship with him. That's what he wanted. It was sin that kept us from fellowshipping with God. And since Israel didn't want to belong to God, the Lord put them under worldly kings and kingdoms. And even during Jesus' day, they were ruled by the Roman Empire. And they were mean. They were tough. They were vicious. So it's crazy when they say, what do you mean we've never been free? (laughs) In spite of that captivity and even their slavery, the Jews put a tremendous value on being free. We do too in this nation, don't we? This nation, we have a real big value on freedom freedom of speech. I can say anything I want whenever I want. Freedom to carry a gun. We have all these freedoms. The Bill of Rights. We have all these things. And we're really harsh on these things, and we want these things. These are part of our inheritance. It's part of who we are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We've been given these freedoms. The Jews knew that their birthright included freedom. So they said, We're no man's slaves. This is fundamental to their creed. Sometimes I feel really bad for Jesus because he looks at me and goes, play <laughs> He's talking about physical? No. He's talking about spiritual freedom. They're talking about physical freedom. The definition of truth is spiritual reality. You are assured.
0: Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at ashorehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.